you take your Bible and open to Colossians chapter 3, today is the start of a mini-series within this uh, study of the book of Colossians, the letter to the Colossian church. And uh, this little mini-series we're going to be doing throughout this month in July, finishing it off. And um, we want to call this the, the Christ-centered family, which immediately raises... Uh, concerns, uh, you know, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't have my, I don't have a family, I'm single, um, or I'm on my own, and uh, whatever it might be, there's still foundational principles here for us to track along with, okay? And um, a lot of times we will hear of, you know, this kind of a series starting up, or uh, we see a book that, you know, we, we uh, uh, hear is a popular book or whatever, and we think, oh, yeah. And it, the whole issue of a Christ-centered family sounds like, oh, that's way up there. I can't quite reach it. Um, it's, it's like, I want to I wanna try for it, but I can't quite get it, and I end up faltering. I end up falling with it. And especially if we see other families and then we in our minds think, oh, but they have it all together and I don't. You kind of hear some of those voices talking like that in your mind. I don't know if that's the way it is with you, but those are typical kinds of problems that we encounter when we hear this title, oh, the Christ-centered family. And a lot of times we just think, oh, I don't have that. What's my problem? And we give it further thought when we deal with this whole subject of the family. You think, you know what? Family is where I experience the highest joys and the lowest sorrows. Listen, God wants to shine forth brightest in you and in your family. What is society made up of? A strong government? A strong state authority? Most of you know that God set things up so that the family would be at the foundation of society. So with a strong family comes what? A strong community. With a strong community comes, you know, and it goes that way rather than the other way. And so, you know, we deal with this passage in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 18 through 21. You know, we, we had Steve Bauman last week, and I didn't coerce him. Mind you, I didn't twist his arm. Okay, it was one of those God things that God had him ready to preach that message. Praise the Lord for that time in the word where Steve gave a a great uh, and excellent introductory message for us as we go through this month talking about the family and the different aspects of the family. And really, there's... uh, 
you know, there is. There's a lot of difficulty attached to it all. But we've been studying in the book of Colossians. And I want you to understand something. Maybe you've seen it. I hope you've seen it. I probably haven't emphasized it enough. What's the theme of this overall series in Colossians? What's the theme of our study in Colossians? Yeah, I, I know. I haven't been emphasizing it enough. You're thinking, hmm, what's that, what's that called? <laughs> the supremacy of Jesus. We need to emphasize this more and more and more. The supremacy of Jesus Christ. Okay? And today, my assignment is Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. All right? How is he going to do this? I've entitled the message, uh, I think it, I don't even have the outline in front of me, but uh, Wives and the S Word. And many times that's the way it's been handled. Oh, don't you go there. Let's not touch this. Listen. We were created. I've got some observations here before we get into the, the main body of the message. Number one, we all know, and if you don't, you need to know, we were created by God. Very simply. We were created for the purpose of knowing and glorifying God, especially in the context of relationships. Right? Adam didn't go very long without, all of a sudden, here's this beautiful woman that God presents to him. And all of a sudden, there's a relationship. Okay? And so... We understand it in our lives that it's within the context of relationships that we're to glorify God and to know Him and to honor Him. Sometimes we think in the back of our minds that, oh, if I was just, you know, off on one of those Bahama Islands, I'd just be fine. And you weren't built for that, although it is relaxing and comforting and wonderful and all that, uh, but you are made in this way of being in a part of relationships. Most all of us, I, I would say all of us here, we value family above what? Everything but Jesus. Jesus said, you know, he even made that comparison, you know, if you don't hate your own father and mother and brother and sister, you know, the, that kind of issue with comparing your relationship more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. So the idea of what we value is not our possessions as it is our family. Our family. Now, Genesis 1 and 2, very quickly, obviously, brings forth a blessing of God upon people, marriage and childbearing. Right? There it is. In Genesis 1, it's God's idea. And both are blessings from God, God's blueprint, so that mankind would have multiplied and increased. Right? And everyone, in their heart, 
desires healthy relationships. We were originally made to enjoy relationships, number one, with God and then with others. That's the way God set it up. But because, second observation, obviously, with the fall. Here's the fall. And because of Adam's sin, our number one relationship with God was ruined. And marriage relationship was damaged along with family relationships. You don't have to travel very far in Genesis. It's the very next chapter, chapter 4, where the first family experiences anger, jealousy, and what? Murder. Didn't take long. And then you track it through the book of Genesis and, and track what other sins came up. Just in the first book of the Bible. So, the first family was rocked in that way. And it's because of man's sin. And now, here today, it's my sin and your sin. Here's, here's what causes the damage and the problems. Everyone since then has struggled, some more than others, with our closest relationships. Many times never trying to identify the cause for it. We make attempts to search for answers and remedies, hoping to mend our broken relationships. And then in our day and age, especially in our day and age, we simply split off. That's the, that's the way we do it. Going our own way. It's encouraged and accepted and approved more and more and more. The snowball keeps going. And so, the state of marriage today resembles more of a disaster zone than what God's blueprint has given it to be. It's a heap of broken dreams. This state of marriage. It's, it's a heap of unkept promises, of dashed hopes, of shattered lives. And then millions of children grow up watching it and witnessing it and hurting because of it. And all because we keep our own agenda, we follow our own plans for how a marriage ought to work. And what is it like? It reminds me, you know, for you that are in one of the adult Sunday school classes, it reminds me of the book of Judges. Here are the cycles. And at the end of Judges, it said, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's what that's what marriage, the state of, and the condition of marriage has become. I brought in a, um, something that I'd like to read to you here. This is a book uh, by Dr. Wayne Mack, Your Family, God's Way. And in his preface, I'd like to read it here. He said, in a, in a newspaper article some time ago, Marshall Arbach, a lawyer from Illinois, lamented the high rate of divorce in the United States. And by the way, this is 1991. 1991. Over the last 30 years, this is what Marshall Arbach, the lawyer, says, over the last 30 years I've participated in the breakup of more marriages than I care to remember. I'm a divorce lawyer by profession. I wrote the divorce law for the state of Illinois. But I'm a romantic at heart. So I suffer pangs of sympathy for both parties during the dis dissolution process. In fact, I make strenuous effort to reconcile them 
before they take the, that final step. And I can tell you that it's becoming more difficult in the last 10 years. Since 1960, about 40 million people have been divorced. A marriage counselor I know calls divorce the death of a dream. She is convinced that, the, that had Romeo and Juliet today lived in Chicago, in her Chicago suburb, it's likely that they would have visited her office for help in preserving their marriage. How does one explain the magnitude of marital destruction that has allowed us to label the 1980s the age of divorce? The statistics are shocking. This nation is awash in divorce. Divorce is a big business. By some estimates, a multi-billion, multi-billion dollar industry. And according to the Wall Street Journal, there were 700 divorce lawyers practicing 10 years ago, 1980s. Now there are 11,000. I didn't go ahead and check out what it might have been now in 2012. We say that because it's important that we understand what's at stake. Wayne Mack goes on to say this in his book. Building our families God's way should be a matter of great concern to us. All other ways are destined ultimately to fail. God, the originator, knows how a marriage and family should function. He fully understands the family's potential for delight or disaster. So, Last week, Steve Bauman, you know, he gave us that introductory message. And here, you know, this morning, we want to look a little bit more uh, in a detailed fashion at verse 18. But before we jump there to Colossians 3, I'd like to have us turn and look at Psalm 128. Psalm 128. So keep a a marker there at Colossians 3 because we'll go back. But Psalm 128. The reason why we're doing this is because I, I think that it's critical that we understand what allows, what helps a, a wife in this particular case to submit to her husband. Okay? Now, young gals, young ladies, young women, it's important that you just get this nailed down in your heart and mind. And you think, oh, he's not talking to me today. I am talking to everyone today. Everyone in the room. Myself. Men. Old men, young men, and women. It's important that you understand this. That's why we're taking this pathway and looking at Psalm 128 first. Psalm 128, we find here one of many references in the Old Testament to the key ingredient, the rare jewel of a successful family. Yeah, successful family. You want a successful family? I'm not talking about the world's definition. I'm talking about in God's eyes. You want a successful family? Starts here, Psalm 128. How blessed is the wife who fears the Lord. No, 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 no. See, how blessed is everyone who fears the Lord. It starts there. Who then what? Walks in His way. So here's the thing. It starts with a heart attitude. Fear the Lord. 
That's what your mindset is. Fear the Lord. And that's how you do it. Fear the Lord. And then what does he say next? Who walk in his ways. They, they combine together. They've got to be together. You can't just know about it without walking in it. The fear of the Lord is critical for your life. If you're saying you're a believer, you must understand this idea of the fear of the Lord. And then following that in Psalm 128, it goes on to say, well, here's a successful family. When you shall eat of the fruit of your hands, you will be happy and it will be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. So, to be successful in family relationships, one has to fear the Lord. In, um, I just grabbed one of my dictionaries and, and uh, said, okay, what's the definition that they give? So Unger's Bible Dictionary says this, fear the Lord is grounded in love from God, for God. That's my little ad there. It's a love from God and for God. And that's what it's grounded in. Fear of the Lord is grounded in love for God. And it prompts to care not to offend God, but endeavors to please Him in all things. That's what the fear of the Lord is like. And see why it's important that we all, you know, understand this and go for it? Because in your life, male or female, you need to say, Am I demonstrating the fear of the Lord in my life? And the fear of the Lord, we go on and add other things. It is um, something that we want to please Him in all things. It's produced in the soul by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that you just, you know, do a, a few exercises and now you've got the fear of the Lord. No, it's produced by the Holy Spirit in your life, working in your life. And it dreads God's displeasure. The fear of the Lord. It's to what? Shun evil. The fear of the Lord is to shun evil, to hate evil. That's the fear of the Lord. It desires His favor, His grace. The fear of the Lord. It reveres His holiness. It submits cheerfully to His will. So, in alignment with Psalm 128, the fear of the Lord is what develops the wife as a what? Verse 3, as a fruitful vine. For the Israelites, a vine was a very... Um, the, the, the use of the term of vine was like valuable. And this is, this is something, oh, something's good here. Something is good, really good when one of the prophets or God himself uses the term vine. And that, the, that God, in his sovereign way, would use this for a, a wife. What a blessing. What a blessing. Because it always pointed to and was symbolic of something valuable, something worthwhile, something highly desirable. A vineyard. It was good. It's good. And that's what God says about the wife who, what? Fears the Lord. Okay? And even though our history, listen, even though our history 
shows that men throughout time have demeaned and discriminated against women. Yes, men have done that. That's happened. And just a a light perusal of the subject will show that as true. doesn't take a a rocket scientist to figure that out. I figured it out. (laughs) But God's word, rightly interpreted, honors and elevates women. Now, I know, some of you might come up after the service and say, but what about this in the Old Testament? (laughs) Yes, there are a lot of difficulties to deal with, especially regarding women. Why is that? Why is that? Don't take this like it's a cop-out, but it's because of the fall. It's because of the fall. Think about this. In John chapter 15, Jesus called himself the what? I am the vine. You are the branches. He described himself as the vine, which is our very life. If I'm a branch and you're a branch, the vine is my life. Okay? It's for my refreshment, my nourishment, my existence. And think of the correlation here. Did Jesus know about Psalm 128? You bet he did. He understood it. He understood even the the picture of Israel as a nation being a a fruitful or fruitless vine. Jesus knew that. We would then give summation to this little portion here as is not God highlighting a woman a wife in her ministry at home? You bet. Of course. And as a reflection of Jesus Christ himself. And remember, the psalmist refers to her as a, in verse 3, a fruitful vine, the wife bearing fruit in the home, not only with childbearing, but maybe even more significantly with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of godliness. The fruit of a gentle and quiet spirit. The fruit of joy. The fruit of purity. Of reverence for Christ. Now, as we talk about this, um, this is further foundation for us to understand what's coming in Colossians 3.18. Mark down in your notes Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. Let's not forget that. Here's another instance of description of a godly woman the wife and take note that the woman is the one who is described at the end of chapter 31 the one who fears the lord and her impact and her influence is evident her priority in this passage of proverbs 31 is her family and the things at home and even in her community are better because of her, that she is the one, she is one who fears the Lord. So, regarding the fear of the Lord, this is simply an example of what every Christian should reflect in his or her life. Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 3. We've given a brief, uh, a brief section of this to the fear of the Lord. 
with that as a springboard into Colossians 3, verse 18, we see that the woman, the wife, is the one who submits to the Lord. I said, submits to the Lord. I'll say it again, submits to the Lord. And the result of that ends up being the woman submits to, the wife submits to her husband. And uh, there's a couple of things I want to mention here. And you might hear a bit of what Steve mentioned last week in his message. But the, the first of these two comments regarding submission is I want you to think with me about this buildup of our study in the book of Colossians. It's important that we understand what we've gone through. We're not going to do a a major review of every message we've done in Colossians. But understand, Colossians 1 and 2 are simply a buildup of the supremacy of Jesus in your life. And it gives a a rock-solid foundation of Jesus Christ in chapters 1 and 2. It's, it's, this, it's like a, a huge, monstrous wave building and building and building. And it keeps building with more of the, the testimony of Christ's preeminence. What does that mean? That Christ has first place in your life. That's built up in chapter 1. Of, of Jesus being the head of the body and the rule over all authority. That's built up in chapter 2. Of Christ being the one who holds the treasures of all wisdom and knowledge. Okay? That's, that's, here's more buildup. Of Christ being the one who is the, the fullness, that all the fullness of deity dwells in Him. And that He is our all and in all. He, he's everything. He's the supreme, that's why we call it the supremacy of Jesus. And, it just, it's building and building and building like a grand musical, uh, majestic musical crescendo. And then if, chap- if in chapter 3, I don't act and live as I ought, it all flops. All that's been stated in chapter 1 and 2, is it making a difference in my life, in your life? Think about it. Can you imagine being in the symphony hall, Radio City Music Hall or whatever, and the orchestra's building and building, and then it just... Eh. Where's it going? Boy, that, why did we come here? Why do we pay all this money to see this concert? And the point is, my friend, that here's this crescendo of who Christ is. And it comes down to what? Chapter 3, verse 18, starts with wives. Why does it start with wives? Let's pick on the wives. Submit. I tell you, this has been a misunderstood passage. It starts with the wives because the wife is the fruitful vine, the center of the home. And gradually in history's time, men left the home I mean, back in this day of the Old Testament, they might have been working right around the home as a farmer or whatever. But more and more, history got man out. The Industrial Revolution, all that. Man ends up leaving more and more, going out, traveling. 
here in the 1960s. My dad's a traveling salesman. Monday through Friday, it was just the kids and mom. (laughs) And then add into that feature the whole pressure from culture. Pressures from the world and all. It's quite a daunting uh, issue and, and situation for the wife to deal with. See, Colossians 1 and 2 is the big build-up, the crescendo of who Christ is, and Colossians 3 is where the supremacy of Jesus is supposed to hit its peak in you and your family. God help us with that. I think everyone here, you know, you typically come to church. Your heart's desire is to show forth Christ in your life. God bless you. And yet we have what I mentioned at the very beginning. Difficulties and problems. Where? In my family. I'm hurting. This is what's going on or that's what's going on. This came up. That came up. And it's in the family where the attack keeps coming. Don't, I mean, we get that, don't we? Look at what society's, you know, opening up the doors to more and more and more. The redefinition of family. So, I think that the flop, if you will, the flop of the the big buildup is due to not just the wife, but the but all people not knowing what it means to submit to the Lord. We keep doing our own thing. We keep uh, going by our own uh, our own nature. We allow the old man to take charge. Well, the second thought about this um, this follow up really from last week is the mention of Jesus as the example of wives submitting. Christ submitted himself to his parents. That reference in Luke was given by Steve last Sunday. But the thing that wasn't mentioned was Christ continually did his Father's will. Just hear these references in the book of John. John chapter 5, verse 19. Note it. John chapter 5, verse 30. John chapter 6, verse 38. Matthew 26, 39 through 44. All of these passages are dealing with Christ saying, in essence, I can do nothing of myself. And that wasn't showing a weakness, was it? (laughs) No. He was showing strength, quite contrary to what people look at and say, I can do nothing of myself. I do whatever my father does. I do not seek my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. That's a strength in Jesus. So Christ's submission to the Father was out of love. Okay? Out of love. So it gives us this beautiful backdrop for this painting that's going to start appearing on the family. The backdrop is Christ's submission to His Father. And what do we see when we look at Colossians 3.18? 
look at the verse. And what is it that we see? Wives, be subject to your husbands. And a lot of times, because of our mental uh, images and our memory and history and culture, we all think, oh, you mean i got to submit? I don't know if I want to get married. <laughs> Maybe that's what you're saying. I don't know. Or I'm not going to have that in my wedding vows. Good luck. <laughs> well, it is true. The emphasis is on you wives submit to your husband. It's true. But what's the motive behind it all? Jesus. You're just saying, I want to show Jesus to my world. Yes, they're in the home, but Proverbs 31, here in my community. You're demonstrating that. You're demonstrating, here's Christ. And many times the very motive of why you women, why you wives are to do this, it's overlooked. And you think, oh, you don't know what my husband just did. And I'm not letting Noreen up here at this moment in time to describe what her husband just did. And she has made me promise not to use any personal examples during this time whatsoever. <laughs> Dear Lord, please help me. <laughs> okay. But listen, gals, Jesus did it perfectly. And we must have that in mind First, not, oh, by the way, but first and foremost, what did Jesus do in a much more difficult, much more demanding, much more amazing way? And that was to submit to what? The death that would bring redemption for an eternity. Listen, real quickly, have you come to faith in Jesus Christ? Do you know that if you die, you know where you'll be? Do you know where you'll spend eternity? If you are questioning right now the answer to that, you need to talk to someone. You need to get counsel. You need to get counsel from the Word of God so that you'll know in your heart what it is to be a believer. And it doesn't give you carte blanche to do whatever you want to do and live however you want to live. It's about... Trusting Christ for your salvation. His righteousness exchanged for your wickedness, your sin. Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You need to do that today. You need to do that. Today is the day of salvation. Come to faith in Jesus Christ. So, as we look at what Christ did in submitting to the Father we look and see the amazing beauty and wonder that resulted from His submission. In submitting, you are setting yourself, wives, in submitting, you are setting yourself in the place of being under your husband's lead, under his authority. This has nothing to do with him being superior and you being inferior. It has nothing to do with that. 
go back to Genesis 1 and 2 and let that sink in and study that and understand what's God's heart in this. What's God, God's creative plan in this? You've probably heard it. He took the bone out of the man's side, not out of his foot. You know, if he took it out of the foot, maybe we could say, I'm going to rule my wife. Ha <laughs> ha. No, he took the bone out of the side. There's a, there's a, a beautiful picture there. They're co-equals. Yes, there's an order. There's an order. Man was created first. Adam, his name was used for the, the race. And Adam was the guilty one. The wife, Eve, was the deceived one. Okay. Where, as you look at these kind of passages, where do you see this as referring to, to being your husband's slave? Wives, you're not a slave to your husband. You are a slave to Christ. Men, you are a slave to Christ. Or if you're not a believer, you're a slave to sin and darkness and the devil. Let that sink in. You must be born again. You must come to faith in Jesus Christ so that you'll understand and be illuminated by the Holy Spirit to understand what He has in plan for you and your life. And being a, a believer in Jesus Christ, here's the family plan. It does not mean that husbands treat their wives like a slave or like a child. It does not mean that the husband has superiority over her. And as you study history, or even the culture's dictates, this issue will get more and more complicated. The more we go with what God says in His Word about husbands and wives and children, like we're going to do the rest of this month, the more we will be receiving God's blessing. It goes against the grain in our minds. But there's a, an order for it. And like I said before, if it happens, if this business of submission happens, and by the way, it, it happens everywhere in life. But yet, with this topic in, in regards to the wife, it gets blown out of proportion. But you and I submit all over the place. Every day we submit to things. Our governing officials, First Peter and Romans 13. It happens in the home, submission in the home. It happens in the church. There's, there's to be submission to godly qualified elders. And by the way, submission happened in the Trinity. God the Father, God the Spirit, God the Son. They're co-equals. But it happened there. I've come to do thy will. This is what Jesus said. He submitted himself. We already went over that. Okay? So, again, if that submission is happening in my heart, in my life, then it can easily be spread into my home. I want to train my children in this. 
Train them in the fear of the Lord. Train them and love them and discipline them. Why? So they will understand the fear of the Lord. And finally, we come to this. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is, what? Fitting in the Lord. How becoming is it for you to see your little girl get to that place where now she's a young woman and she's dressed up in a beautiful becoming dress and you look at her and you say there's there's my little girl she's turning into a woman and someday she'll walk that aisle and she'll be joined together with that man It's fitting that she grows up and has a beautiful dress or whatever, right? It's fitting. So wives, go with God's word. Walk with that. Believe that and do it. Don't go with your feelings. Your feelings, although for women, somehow they're a bit more accurate than men. (laughs) That women's intuition, whatever. But let's let listen. Let's not go by feelings. You can't go by your feelings in some of these things. You you must go by faith in God's word. Here's what it says: Believe Him and trust Him to do what He promises to do. God knows what's best. The popular thing in society looks good and is built up and advertised and publicized in a great way. It's very alluring, very attractive. But discern, discern what what is it that God's really saying. God knows what is best. God knows what is fitting. That word simply means what's proper, what's becoming. And God knows what is beautiful. What is beautiful in his eyes is the reflection of Jesus Christ in your life. The fear of the Lord in your life. The fear of the Lord and that Christ is first place in your life. That's what's beautiful to Him. You have a position in Christ. That won't change. If you're truly a believer, you have a position in Christ. It will not change. And He looks at you uh, as with Christ's righteousness. But your practice in life goes up and down, goes all over the charts... And the more you will say, I want to reflect Christ's likeness in my practice, the more that up and down stuff will level out, not perfectly, but it'll level out. And guess what? More and more, Christ will be seen in your life. But you know, wives, you can't do this in your own strength, in your own power. Wives, you must do it spirit-filled. There you go. I... I had to bring that out. You you can't do it and just, I'm going to do this. I'm going to submit to Him. You've got to do it Spirit-filled. Be filled with the Spirit. How's that? Well, look back at Colossians 3.16. What's our memory verse for this month? Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you. Okay? 
let the word of Christ have its place in your life. So, let's wrap it up. What's the real S word? What's the real S word? I've mentioned some. And men, you're going to get an S word next week. Uh, I'm not saying Brendan has to make that his, his uh, message title, but there's another S word that comes up for men. Sacrifice. What, women, what's going to be the S word in your life? Are you going to major on submission? Good, good word. But how about majoring on supremacy of, of Jesus in your life? Why not that? Why not major on the S word spirit filled? And let things go as they, as God will allow them to go. And watch God work. Watch God work in your family as you do the S word. Submit. But uh, understanding the supremacy of Christ and doing it spirit filled. Which one are you going to highlight in your day, in your week? Ask God for his help to develop and apply a Christ-centered mindset for your marriage, for your family, and for your children to pass it on. A lot of times we're not thinking of our children. You know, well, we want to think of our children, but are they going to be able to pass it on to their children and admit, like with all couples, we are really self-centered. We're just really self-centered. That's what we're dealing with. Be aware and watch out for and avoid making mental lists of what he should have done, what he should have said, how he doesn't listen. There's a lot of things that you can build up in your mind that cause corrosion, that cause crud in your mind. Be aware of that. Turn the griping and the murmuring over to praise. Being filled with thanks for what God's given each and every day. Have your conversation be edifying. And when things do get tense or tough, and they will, examine your own heart and motive first. Don't be so quick to jump on your husband in it. Husbands, don't be so quick to jump on your wives in it. Because that will happen. I'll close with this. Author Will Pounds, his name is Will, Will Pounds wrote this, an emotionally healthy woman has the emotional strength to submit to her husband. I also have observed that she has the inner strength to submit to whatever authority in her life is, including that outside the home. An emotionally healthy woman can say, I choose to submit and she has the strength to do it. Guys, submission cannot be demanded. How, how foolish, how silly. It's voluntary. It's voluntary. And as the wives are exhorted to do it, it is fitting and proper. Wives, again... This is more about making Jesus visible in your marriage. And it's more about His strength being magnified than your strength being magnified. Pray for 
families, it's, it's a battle zone, folks. It's a battle zone. Pray for your, your friends. You know of them. Problems start in the family. God help us to be the kind of godly men that we want to be and the godly women that show forth Christ's strength in their lives through submitting to their husbands. Father, we bow before you and we pray that all of us would understand what Ephesians 5 really says and that is to be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So may we all remember to be emphasizing and and learning more about what it is to fear the Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit guiding us and convicting us and helping us and teaching us in these things. May we see families step forward more and more to show their commitment and love to you, Lord. It's, It's something that we can't do in our own strength, Father. We need your help. So we thank you again for your word and your abiding spirit in our lives. We praise you, Lord. There's no one like you. Thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.